Oh, Father, I'm so conscious of all the hopes and dreams of myriad generations of men and women who longed, God, they longed for what we get to experience right now. They longed for that day when, when all, all brokenness would be atoned for, when, when all sin would be redeemed. God, when, when you would allow us to experience again what we were created to be. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, we say that some of us by, by um, experience. You have provided. You have redeemed. You have delivered. And we give you glory. But Father, today some of us say it by faith, too. We have not yet seen the redemption that we long for. We've not yet seen the healing. We've not yet seen the reunion. We've not yet seen the fulfillment of the promise. But God, I thank you that it's just as real as if it has already happened. I thank you that your word is true. Every word of it. I thank you that your word became flesh and walked among us so that we could know, we could experience firsthand this truth. God, as we gather today with many, with, with real challenges. God, last week we so many who were going through incredible physical trials, God. We cried out to you and, and you answered. Thank you, God. God, last week we cried out for you for those who are going through amazing emotional trials. And, 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 and Father, many of those were answered as well. Many of them were still crying out for us. But God, our greatest prayer is exactly what we said a few moments ago, that one day every knee would bow and every tongue would confess you, Jesus, as Messiah. Until that day, God, would you grant us amazing insight? Would you, would you allow us to remember all the things you've said? Would you help us to embrace, God, your individual call on our lives so that we might represent Jesus in such a way that everyone, everyone who encounters us would know that Christ is risen, would know that Jesus is the Messiah. And God, today, as we, as we walk with Jesus in those early days past the resurrection, would you just meet us in this place? God, would you open our hearts and our minds, and as we said last week, our eyes, God, to your presence. Would you, would you allow us to comprehend the height and the depth and the breadth, God, of your love poured out for us through Jesus? And then, God, I know as we take these baby steps of faith toward you, toward your purpose for our lives, God, you will not just fulfill what we've asked. You'll, you'll grant us exactly what we need. Now, we love you. And we dedicate ourselves, we dedicate our loved ones, we dedicate this time to you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Hey, would you open your word today to John 21? I'm so grateful again for um, Pastor Kyle uh, walking, allowing us to walk with uh, his um, Jesus' disciples.
on the road to Emmaus and, and for those amazing insights and revelations that, that Luke 24 had for us. As you turn to John 21, I just want to remind you of uh, our memory verse from Luke chapter 24, verses 30 and 31. And it's an odd memory verse, but it's really important for us, especially today. The verse goes like this. When Jesus was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Luke 24, 30 and 31. Let me say that one more time. When Jesus was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Oh, Jesus, open our eyes today to your presence right now. Open your word to us, Jesus, so that we might know you. Pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, we have been walking with the disciples for 40 days before Easter, um, uh, seeing Jesus intentionally taking them to different places, revealing amazing things to them. I don't know if you've ever been on a retreat or ever had a season in your life where where it just was an intense learning experience. And um, and my guess is, if you're like me, that that it was like drinking water from a fire hose. You there was so much stuff going by that that um, you couldn't process everything. You just had to kind of file it away and hope that a moment would come where the pieces of this puzzle started to fit together. I've shared with you before when one of the first classes I took in seminary was a class in Greek. And, and you know that expression, everything is Greek to me? There's a reason for that, right? There's a reason for that. I, I was six weeks into the course. I had all this data and all this stuff, and it just was not, it was not fitting together. And I went to my TA and, 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 and said, you know, I'm, I'm worried. I'm, I'm thinking I'm just not getting this. And he had that kind of condescending smile on his face. And he said, don't worry. Don't worry. Right? It will come together. It will come together. Well, he lied through it. No, he didn't. Lie through it. it did. It did. Ten weeks into the class, you know, it's a 12-week class, um, all of a sudden the pieces started fitting together. Well, Jesus did that for three years with his disciples. For, for four Gospels, we have these amazing stories of Jesus imparting to his disciples, and I'm including us in that, all this information. And, and honestly, sometimes it just gets overwhelming. That's why I love our passage for today. Now, with all that information in there, with Jesus risen from the dead, he begins to put some of those pieces together. Follow with me, would you, as I... Read John 21. After this, and this being two appearances by Jesus, eight days apart to the twelve, to the eleven who were remaining disciples, and, and revealing himself to them. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea 
of Tiberias, that's uh, the Sea of Galilee, got uh, six names, uh, Chenereth, uh, uh, Kenneth. It has all these different names. Um, but he revealed himself to them at the place where he had invited them to go. Easter Sunday morning, we heard Mary um, um, say to the disciples, I've seen Jesus, and he said to meet him in Galilee. Now we're there. Now we're in Galilee. And John says, Jesus revealed, there's that word again, revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And so they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, and translates in ESV, children, um, probably not the best translation, that he uses another word when he calls them children, The word he uses here is probably closer uh, to saying, hey guys, hey guys, do you have any fish? And they answered him, and I can almost feel the chill in the air as they did, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Does this sound a little familiar to you? Remember about eight weeks ago? (laughs) We saw this very same experience three years previous when Jesus first began calling his disciples. So he says, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. And so they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John's name for himself, John therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had stripped down for work, and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat. The implication is that he began making his way toward Jesus in in the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging now, every word is important, dragging that net full of fish. They couldn't get it in the boat, right? Dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore. Right? They could not, however many disciples were in that boat, up to seven disciples could not get that, that net into the boat. But Simon Peter goes out, back out there and hauls that net ashore full of large fish. 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. 
And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed. There's that word again. That Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Help us, would you, to understand it. Help us to hear you speak to us, God, through your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, wow, what's happening? This this last eight weeks or so, we intentionally chose the passages that we uh, studied um, because of this passage, because of this meeting of Jesus with the disciples. Now, put yourself back where the disciples were at that point, having their hopes and dreams utterly smashed and, and dashed. They now were, were choosing to believe that this amazing uh, uh, vision that was before them of a risen Jesus was true. Remember, he did not look like himself. There, he, he's, he's been changed. He's been He's been somehow transfigured, transformed. And, and so they have two memories at this point, according to John, two memories of the appearance of Jesus. One on the night of Resurrection Day when he appeared to all of them but, but, to, uh, but to Thomas and, and revealed himself. And then again, eight days later, when they were together again, this time Thomas with them, and they had that phenomenal experience of Jesus saying, to Thomas, okay, Thomas, you said you would not believe unless you suck your finger in my hands and your hand in my side. Here I am. Do it. Do it, Thomas. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Do you remember what Jesus said right after that? Blessed are you, Thomas, right? Blessed are you, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. Who is he talking about? Us. He's talking about us, people who would come in the generations after the disciples who were not able to, to see the resurrected Jesus, who were not able to put their fingers in his hands, were not able to put their hand in his side, but, but have still believed. That's going to be really important for us at the conclusion now. We're getting to the end of this series. It's really important that we ask ourselves, what do I believe? What do I believe? I want to go one more layer. So we've got these disciples in amazement, right? Who then went up to Galilee. And we don't have a time frame right there. But it seems like they were there for a while before Jesus appeared to them, right? And, and what do a bunch of fishermen do when, when they got nothing else to do? Um, Peter, ever the leader, says, I'm going to go fishing, right? And I, I, I'm tempted to read a lot into this. I don't honestly know. We won't know until we see Peter face to face. But it looks like, like Peter was saying, I'm going back to what I know how to do, right? I don't, I don't know how to live in this strange new world. And we haven't seen Jesus. Remember, it's it's 80 miles up there, so it's at least a week after that, if not more, since they saw Jesus. Was that a dream? Did that really happen? I'm going fishing. And 
six other disciples say, you know what? I'm going to do that too. I'm, I'm going to go fishing too. And, and they get out on the water. Remember that the best time to fish, we saw that several weeks ago, was, was in the evening, in particular in the early morning, right before the sun comes up, right? The fish come close to the surface. It's the best time to fish. And they fished all night and they caught nothing. They caught nothing. What is Jesus doing? I'm going to jump to it here, right? What is he doing? He's reminding them. He's reminding them of an experience that they've had with him. Let me let me move fast and we'll come in and fill in the blanks for you, okay? Um, so, so they catch this amazing... Now, right then, things had to be clicking in their minds, but it's happening so fast and they want to catch all these fish, right? Amazing, uh, 153 uh, fish, amazing catch of fish. And, and, and uh, excuse me, I got ahead of myself. Uh, they don't catch any fish all night long. And, and Jesus comes from the shore, shouts, hey, guys. And, and, and actually, it's hard. Uh, we've got a Greek scholar in the back row over there. It, it's hard to understand when you translate from one language to another. But it, it really looks like it comes across as you didn't catch any fish, did you? Hey, guys. You didn't catch any fish, did you? They go, no. No, right? Put your nets on the other side. Put your nets on the other side. They um, risk, even as, a, as it's so familiar, they risk doing it. And again, three years later, Jesus gives them this huge catch of fish. Well, John, um, who, who loves to call himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, um, I have an elder sister who likes to call herself the, the daughter whom my parents love. Um, regrets having three other siblings. She's paying for it now. She's paying for it now. We give her a hard time. John says, it's the Lord. It is the Lord. So what does Peter do? Um, again, mysterious to us. A lot's lost in the language translation, but he puts his clothes on, steps out of the boat. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Yeah. We saw together how Peter said when he saw Jesus walking away, Lord, if it's you, speak to me, call me, command me, I think he said. Command me and I will come to you. And Jesus said, come. And he came, right? He didn't wait for Jesus to invite him this time. He just stepped overboard. Began making his way to the Messiah, right? They get to the shore and Jesus is preparing breakfast for them. A breakfast of what? And... Bread and fish, does that sound familiar? Remember, twice, twice Jesus had taken a few pieces of bread, a couple of fish. Said first, 5,000 men, maybe 20,000 men, women and children. Second time in the Gentile territory, fed 4,000 men. He took those two things, bread and fish, and did a miracle right before their eyes. There's something else going on right there too, right? Because John is really careful to say he was cooking the bread and fish over a charcoal fire. Over a charcoal fire, right? That word only appears three times in all of Scripture. Two times in the whole New Testament. Why? Because charcoal is expensive. By the way, when you have a charcoal fire, now I know um, 
I use Kingsford and stuff like that. There's a very distinctive smell to it, right? Very distinctive smell. Do you ever have a sniff of something and all of a sudden memories come back? Well, what, you know where the only other time that word charcoal is mentioned is? You do know it. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, Peter was outside Caiaphas's house warming his hands, here's the word, on a charcoal fire. And, and a, little, a little house servant says, um, weren't you with... And he goes, no. No, I'm pretty sure no... I don't know the I, your language sounds just like a Galilean. You hadn't been with him. He brought down curses on himself and says, "I don't know the man." Right? Charcoal fire. I was thinking about all the confusion of the resurrection, right? And and life is confusing. Amen. Things happen to us that that we just don't know how to process, right? But, but then we have this hope, this hope that he has indeed risen from the dead, that he's changed everything. And, 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 and we're trying to grasp that. We're trying to live into this new way of living uh, with a resurrected Jesus. But we still have baggage from the past, right? Peter still has baggage from the past. We're going to spend all of next week on this incredible encounter of Jesus and Peter where he restores him and invites him to re-engage in his calling. But I want you to see it even here, right? I want you to see it even here. Jesus already had breakfast going, right? He doesn't need the 153 fish in, in the net. But he says, Peter, would you go out and bring in that net, right? And Peter single-handedly brings in that net. It's like almost like Jesus was calling him out, was setting him up. If, if other disciples were somewhat confused by the news of the resurrection, Peter had to really be confused, right? Because he had denied him three times. Now I know when, when the men got back from Emmaus, they said, Jesus has appeared to Peter. So they've gone to work already in this unaccounted for story we, we hear twice, first from, from the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and then later from Paul. Paul says, he appeared first to Peter. So Jesus has already begun to work with Peter right here. But, but I just want you to feel the magnitude of what he, the last encounter he had with Jesus before his death was betrayal. And I don't know about you, but, but I've done maybe less Intense things and still felt apart from Jesus, right? Still felt that my minor sins are somehow kept me from fellowship with, with Jesus. So something amazing is happening, beloved. Something amazing. Jesus is going point by point through their lives together and calling them back to himself. I want to just invite you today to think with me about memory, in particular about remembering, right? When everything around you has been shattered. Um, and we, I tried to shatter a jar a few weeks ago and it didn't work. It bounced across the carpet. But everything has been shattered. How do you put it back together, right? 
And, and I don't know about you, but I, I have to ask myself, can it ever be put back together, right? Well, I'm going to say there's a couple helps for us in this passage. When your life has been shattered, what you can do. First, I want to suggest to you, remember what your life was like before Jesus. Remember what your life was like before Jesus. It's almost like Jesus intentionally waited until he, they did what he knew they wanted to do, where they, where they went back to what they'd been doing before he called them to become fishers of men. And they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Um, these trained fishermen worked all night, three years previous, worked all night here after the resurrection, and caught nothing. And, and I just want to invite you, remember what your life was like, your life was like before you met Jesus, right? Remember. But also remember the revelation of Jesus. Three times in these brief verses, it says that, that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. So, so Jesus is inviting us to remember how he has revealed himself. And I want to just stick in right here. Remember in a couple of different ways. Memory is not just a mental thing. It's not just like memorizing things. He's inviting you to remember with understanding. And that means remembering with your mind, certainly. That's why he just poured information for three years into his disciples. But more than that, remember with your actions. Remember your experiences, right? Because that's where you start to put the pieces together. When... when when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and then he feeds 20,000 people, you start to put that together, right? When he uses you to feed 20,000 people, you start to put it together. So remember with your mind, but also remember with your experiences or your actions. And I want to I want to just go point by point and challenge you. Remember your calling. Remember your calling, right? He let them go back out on the water because it was on the water that they received their first calling. No longer will you be fishers of fish. You're going to be fishers of people. You're going to be fishers of men. Right? Now, you say, well, phew, I'm grateful that that's not my calling, right? Well, what is your calling, right? Each of you has a unique one. But I can promise you that your unique expression of the calling of God in your life will look something like this in your going. Make fully devoted followers of all people groups, immersing them in the nature and character and community of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and, and teaching them, yes, but teaching them to respond, teaching them to engage, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commands, right? Every one of our unique callings is going to be an expression of Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Remember, beloved, your calling. Remember that nothing is impossible for those who believe and obey. Right? A 
I'm thinking now of Peter stepping out of the boat. Jesus says, come, come. And, and he had a decision to make right now. Did he believe that Jesus' word was enough to enable him to walk on water? But even beyond whether he believed or not, at some point he had to step out of the boat. And so I just want to remind us, too, that just like Peter, Jesus is saying, I want, I want you to put your weight down on what I have said and risk obeying even if you don't fully understand why I'm asking you to do that. The beauty is that one day you'll, you become so familiar with his voice that like Abraham, the son on the altar, you'll trust him. Like, like Peter stepping out of the boat, you'll trust him. You'll risk putting into practice what he says. But I think with the charcoal fire, Jesus is doing something else here too. He's in, inviting us to remember the bitterness of denial, right? The bitterness of denying Jesus. Why in the world, Pastor Dave, would you invite us to remember the bitterness, right? Because if we don't remember the pain of what happens when we deny God's purposes for our life, we'll likely do it again and again. In worst case scenario, we'll become so callous to it that we won't feel the bitterness or the pain anymore. Remember the bitterness of denying Jesus. Luke, I think it's Luke that says when he completed that third denial of Jesus, Peter looked up and right then Jesus was passing by and their eyes met and he wept bitterly, right? He wept bitterly. Now, hold on, because next week we're going to come back and see what Jesus does with our bitterness. But for now, I just want to encourage you. Remember what life was like before. Remember the call of Jesus. Remember uh, the beauty of, of believing and obeying. Remember the bitterness of denying. Remember also the sweetness. She's not in the room anymore, but Naomi's name means sweetness. I always call her sweetness. Remember the sweetness of communing with Jesus. Right? Remember last week, our hearts burned within us. Right? Oh my goodness. My heart was ablaze. Remember the sweetness of communion with Jesus. And then, like in our memory verse, Luke 24, recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread. Recognize Jesus. Today in John 21, he said a whole meal for the disciples so that they would recognize him. Oh, beloved. Come on up, worship team. He has, he has set uh, a feast for you, right? And, and, and though right now it's not a literal feast, one day the Scripture says it will be, um, but He has set a feast for you. Right now it's a feast in His Word of, of walking with the disciples and seeing time and time again how Jesus delivers us from our brokenness. How He rebuilds our shattered lives and makes them something beautiful again. But we have to believe and we have to obey. And the day in which Jesus was betrayed, He 
he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember Jesus. Recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Poured out for many because they lived good lives and, and, and got A's on all their papers, right? No. Poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this, he said, in remembrance of me. I'd like to invite you to come broken as you might be. Come to the table of the Lord. Let Him feed your soul with His body and His blood. Let Him take all those broken, scattered pieces and begin to put them one by one exactly into the place that He desires them to be. Oh God, would you take the simple bread and make it the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Would you make it, God, the spiritual presence of Jesus and feed us through this bread and the simple juice, God, until, like like Peter, nothing, nothing is more beautiful to us than this. And Jesus, we'll just look forward to that day when... But no longer will we have to remember you through the bread and the cup. We will sit again at table with you and commune with you. So we dedicate this sacrament to you in Christ's precious name.